the network for the AV industry. What are you listening to? This. This is AV. This. This. This is AV Nation. This is AV Nation. AV Nation is brought to you by Sure. Because every voice matters. Greetings and welcome, everybody, to uh, this episode of AV Nation TV's Connected. I'm your host, David Danto, and I almost tripped over the words there because I have a co-host for this show. This is number 49. Number 50 is going to be a special live event from CES in Las Vegas. But here for number 49, uh, AV Nation TV's founder and my good friend, Tim Albright, is with us. Tim, uh, say hi to everybody and introduce our guests. Hello, sir. How are you? Uh, good to see you. Good to see you in person or, or, or well. virtually. Uh, first and foremost, um, Carolina uh milanese welcome ma'am thank you very much for having me absolutely and uh our, our good friend mr steve uh canning uh welcome sir hello good to be here so so steve i guess the first fair question about um uh ces and in fact all trade shows it's been an interesting year we've been going to trade shows people have been going home sick and there have been jokes about that um our 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 are we ready for trade shows so far? Is 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 it done? Our company is now saying, look, I don't need this anymore. It's been two, three years. Um, what's what's your take? What's the CTA's take on 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 how important CES is and how being there in person together is? Well, if if there was a lesson from the season of the pandemic, it was the importance of in-person events. I mean, you can you can virtualize the the human condition and and business and so forth for a season, but not in perpetuity. And that's why we saw so many trade shows, including CES, which really blazed a trail last year. Uh, and yes, there were challenges, and some of those challenges still remain. But the the importance of gathering in person to conduct business, for networking, for partnerships, uh, business development, and so forth is crucial. And we're delighted to be back in Las Vegas January 5th through 8th uh, in just a couple of months. Yeah, I, I loved CES last year because there was, there was a, a, one of the spikes that were going on in COVID at the time. So there were only about 40,000 people there, which is a huge amount of people for a trade show, but a small amount of people for CES. So um, I'm, I, I assume we're expecting more than that this year at this point? We are. In fact, we're expecting around 100,000 attendees from over 150 countries. We've had a tremendous response uh, internationally and domestically as well. Again, <clears throat> People are really craving in-person experiences, gathering in person uh, for, for business development, networking. So yeah, it's gonna be a much bigger event and CES is building back. And it's gonna be fantastic to, to have all those, those folks gathering there. We're gonna have over 2000 exhibiting country, uh, companies, I meant to say. So yeah, it's gonna be a fantastic event. That's great. You're kind and, of and putting me off, Steve. <laughs> I was going to ask you, Caroline. Like, you know, I love so Steve, many, but he he so has to people. say that. So, uh, so, so you, as as an external analyst who who has attended many times and didn't attend last year, what's your take on the same questions? So, I'm going, and um, I'll be there uh, from four days, so a, a long stretch as well. Um, but I am doing the show differently, and um, I, I was um, I was in Vegas a couple of weeks ago for for a different show, and I have to say, I had a little bit of palpitation as I was walking through the Mandalay Bay with 
you know, thousands of other people around me, knowing that they're coming from all places and, you know, and all of that. Um, I agree with Steve that there's obviously there's a there's a need to come together, but I also wish we didn't just rest on that as an industry, just say, oh, we want to get together. Because I can tell you that from someone who's been traveling for the past six weeks, I'm kind of done with the coming together with people unless I get more out of it, right? And I think there's that's where I would like not just CES, but but any show I'm going to NWC as well in, in February to really think more strategically about what people want out of this show. So the way that I'm going to do CES this year is skip the, the big press conferences and, and kind of big events and just watch those, you know, from the comfort of my room or somewhere because uh, I don't need to be in the room um, necessarily to, to watch what I can see from a screen, but spend more time in meetings, which is shocking because I already had a lot of meetings, you know, in previous year. But I think that's your value that you're talking about, Steve, right? It's people coming yeah. together behind closed doors to make deals, discuss where the industry is going and all that goodness. So that's how I am going to do the show. And then looking at, as I always do, the smaller companies that, you know, as an industry analyst, I'm blessed to know what is going to be going on at CES way before CES from an announcement perspective. So I don't necessarily have to spend time with the big names, but there are all these smaller companies that don't have the opportunity to have an analyst reach or to have their own shows as, you know, we heard uh, a lot of companies actually, especially from the PC world that are not going to have a presence at CES this year. Um, and or so, they'll have a presence, but off the show floor. Correct. Yeah. Um, and so that's who I want to, you know, have the opportunity to meet and see the products and, you know, the part of being live is that you can see and touch and, and experience the products that, you know, is really hard to do over a video screen. Right. And that's, and, and thank you for sharing that, Carolina. And everybody's got their, their strategies for the show uh, in, a, in a good season or a challenging season. It doesn't matter. We all have our, our tactics and challenges for approaching CES and, and 2023 will be no different. I'm pleased to say that that we also will be having, we'll be hosting a, a virtual event. So some of those conference sessions and, and keynotes, like you mentioned, will be available on the virtual platform. And so those folks that can't travel or, or don't wish to travel to, to CES will be able to take in the show virtually uh, on that platform. We're also, as you guys may know, health regulations and so forth have, have shifted and changed and, and we are providing COVID tests uh, for those that are concerned or, or want to be saying we're encouraging in vaccination. We're not requiring it. Uh, masks are optional, but this, this, it still remains, I think, even today, somewhat of a fluid situation. So uh, at CES.tech, we have our, our health protocols and so forth. So attendees can check there uh, routinely, regularly, just to make sure what's, what's uh, the, the state of affairs there for, for different regulations but that's that's it so far it's it's i would say it's going to probably be very akin to business travel and getting on a plane where you see people right. masked unmasked uh and so forth and 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 that's totally legit but what you the the last thing that you said carolina about 
been able to, to discover those, those smaller companies, the SMEs beyond the usual suspects, that's also part of the gold, I think, with CES is that, that that's very tough to do, scanning online, scrolling around, and being able to walk the show floor and make those discoveries and even more have important conversations, which is also challenging to do in a virtualized event. That's going to be, I think, one of the real value adds uh, for a lot of attendees uh, at CES 2023. So, Steve, let me just take a second to jump on a soapbox before Tim asks his, uh, his next question. Um, I do want to say kudos to you and to the CTA and to Gary Shapiro and everybody else for keeping that door open of virtual attendance. You know, we just, uh, as we're recording this, we're just a few days past uh, a Zoomtopia that Eric Yuan did, and you could attend that show virtually or in person. Your show to, you know, again, you're not going to have the meetings, but you can attend it. We, during the pandemic, we realized that we, 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 we busted down a door for the disabled and the homebound and the people that couldn't be at these events, and we're making it available to them. And I, for one, have taken a pledge that I'm not going to be involved in an event that doesn't provide that ability for people who can't come. So, so again, uh, kudos to you guys for leading the way and for all the events that are doing that. And I'm sorry to jump in front of you, Tim. Go ahead. No, you're fine. You're fine. So, so Steve, you know, Carolina made a mention here of, of the, the, the large amount of, of um, uh, travel that we've all done here this year. Um, what did you guys learn last year on, on ways to make CES, um, not that it isn't already <laughs> enticing, but make it, you know, um, you know, what what's the the carrot to bring people out to Vegas and hang out with 100 150,000 people if that's not their jam <laughs> yeah well i think as always uh ces is the most influential tech event on the planet and where each and every year we write a new chapter of technology innovation and there are a, there's a long list of incredible announcements we hear from technology business leaders from around the world. This year, we have keynotes from AMD, from BMW, from John Deere, which are going to be very interesting. So I think the, the old reasons are, are the new reasons. It's, it's really, I think, crucial for anybody in the tech industry to attend CES hopefully in person, but to David's point, if, if not, if you're not able to travel or don't wish to travel, you can take it in virtually and still participate. And to David's point, we yeah, that has definitely expanded the audience. But again, being there in person has, has its benefits of being able to have those conversations and get your hands on technologies, demos, and so forth. It's going to be a great event. The way I think about it is that the shows like CS and, and NWC have two different audiences, well, actually three different audiences, right? You have the vendors that want to reach out. You have the, the people that want to do business with those brands who want to then connect. And then you have a whole host of people that want to learn about the industry and want to make sure that they're on top of things. And that's where I think the hybrid part has the most opportunity, right? I don't need to necessarily be in Vegas if I want to know the latest trend on the RNAR or whatever the case might be, right? And that's where your conference track being hybrid. And if you can't, if I can make a criticism to last year, there were too few of those that 
were actually designed to have a hybrid component. And I would, you know, I would like to see more, even if that means that, you know, maybe the, the price tag goes up a little bit to, to be part of, of that. Because CS has always had a role to play in informing about technology, right? In, in you know, having people learn about technology and the trends and everything else. And I think that that's what the, the hybrid event could do really, really well, even so that the people that are there don't necessarily have to choose between do I get more meetings in or do I go to this talk that I really want to do because I know that I can get it on demand afterwards. So I think there's, you know, from a business model perspective, uh, you know, I, there's opportunity there to do more with the show. Yes. Yeah, absolutely. And and I think for most, for an event of CES size, uh, it I don't ever expect us to have a digital twin <laughs> uh, of the events. Smaller events, that's easy to pull off. The, the virtual component, certainly when you add that to the physical component, the, that's very expensive. It's very expensive, and especially live live sure. video and recording and so forth. So I think what we're what we're endeavoring to do is for virtual attendees, we're we're not trying to replicate the entire event, but but really hit the high points, the keynotes, and like you said, some of those co important conference sessions. Those will be available even for if you're at the show. I know all of us. We we can't be in three places at one time. Uh, we haven't worked that out yet, but. Being able to come back and say, I missed that conference session and I can take it in virtually after I'm home from CES, that, that's a real benefit. So these are the things that we're trying to do. And then also just provide a modicum of, of interaction on the digital platform for people again. And I think that's what we can expect in the future. Uh, to David's point, I think the world has changed in the conference industry. And hybrid events are, are definitely the path forward for the foreseeable future. But again, I think uh, really for, for a lot of conferences, including CES, we, we, what we really want is for people to, to be able to gather in person and be able to do that comfortably. And that's, that's really our goal. The virtualized event is really more of a supportive structure to, to enable expand the audience and then that long tail of content. Uh, so, uh, but people can choose however they, they wish to take in the event. Steve, I disagree with you. I was there with you last year. You, I did see you in three places at one time. Uh, <laughs> we were, we were uh, you know, every time we turned around, we were bumping into each other. I don't know if it'll be the same with 100,000 people as it was with 40, but, uh, but uh, it, there'll be a lot of bumping in no matter what. So, oh, so yeah. and, I, and I agree with you. The, the, the interesting thing about CES, and I've tried to articulate this over the years, and I, I don't know that I've done a really great job or if I'm going to do a really great job now, but sometimes, you know, you get into that forest and trees situation. You can, you can attend the announcements from company A and company B and all the way through to company Z and understand everything that they're planning on doing but you don't really get a sense of what's happening. But when you go to CES and you go to some of the conferences and you, you walk the show floor, you get this, 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 this 30,000 foot view of what the heck's happening over the next 18 months. And you can almost in your mind make some real conclusions that I've made over the years. And I actually want to talk about some of these in terms of themes. But before I get into that, that's really the value 
that I have of attending. Of course, it's you know uh, creating content and learning about what's going on and um, and, get, and getting to touch and feel things, and in some cases getting some samples. Although that's waning quite a bit as well because companies are not uh, yeah. not as free to give them out anymore. But 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 that's the value that I get is really just. Wow, now I really understand what's going on for the next 18 months, and that's going to affect my judgment across everything that I do in technology um, for the next year. And I don't think yeah. I get that from any other trade show, not even the ones that are more specific to the areas that I focus on. It's really this, wow, I understand what's coming on with technology. I can give you a million examples, you know, of the of, of, of the vid first video recorders or the first digital cameras um, or when LEDs became something that wasn't such a crazy thing. You could get them a dime a dozen anywhere. You know, these are things that you picked up at the show. You realize, my God, this is going to change the world. And then over the next six or eight months, it did. So so that's that would be my big recommendation for going is is while virtual is a great component, um, although I did really regret getting up at eight o'clock in the morning to see something that somebody pre-recorded for YouTube. Um, uh, it's, mm -hmm. it's 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 understanding what those themes are. Um, right. and, and I'll segue at that point and let's talk about some of the themes because, you know, you, you and I probably, Steve, one of our many conversations last year was around metaverse. Um, there were some controversies around it, and, and we should talk about Metaverse in terms of what its status is right now. I think you and I both said um, that it's a future thing, that it's not right now, that companies are gearing up to deal with it. But we saw the hype engine. I know I saw the hype engine moving a little too quickly. You did as well. Um, there's been some crashing and burning around that as well. Is that still going to be one of the bigger themes this year, or is everybody kind of stepping away? No, I think it will continue to, to be a uh... A dominant theme, certainly a very talked about theme at CES, and, and by extension, Web3, which would pull in blockchain and crypto and NFTs, really well, all these things. After his week. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. adding up to the, the next generation of the internet, which is really what we're, we're talking about when we, we describe all these, these different things. But yeah, the, you're right about the hype, and, and I think that's one thing that I'm looking forward to at CES 2023 is I think we will start to bring some clarity and some substance to this trend because there has been no shortage of hype. The metaverse is the, the new buzzword. It takes me back to like circa 2010 when IoT, Internet of Things, was the brand new buzzword and everybody at CES was saying we have an IoT device, which really just meant we had a connected device, uh, but uh, they had to use IoT and work that into the marketing language. So what are we going to see at CES for Metaverse? Well, again, substance, I think clarity on what this is, and that'll be, I think, illustrated in two ways. One is use cases. There's been a lot of dialogue, or, or what are the use cases, both for consumer and for enterprise? And in the consumer space, I think gaming is obviously the low-hanging fruit, also social potentially, but but other other areas as well, like fitness. And we, we may see some use case examples around that. People pay a lot of money to go to Hot Yoga and Orange Theory and some of these other studios to work out. Well, it makes sense that you could have that in a virtualized and get that same kind of group experience, shared immersive experience uh, in, in your home. And for, for the enterprise, things like digital twin, and other collaboration tools, I think, are, are on, on the ticket for, for CES 2023, thinking about Metaverse, which is, again, shared, immersive online experiences, uh, in effect. 
But what's the strategy? And this is the other thing I think we'll learn about. For the consumer, it's, it's probably when you think about gaming, uh, competition, but also connection. And in the enterprise space, I think it's collaboration and simulation. Those are the, the strategies there. But I remind everybody that a lot of parallels have been drawn with, with Ernest Klein's novel, Ready Player One, as, as like, okay, is this where we're headed? And, and Ready Player One was set in the year 2045, not 2025. <laughs> <laughs> so yes, this is, uh, and it's, so it's important for us to acknowledge that, that technology trends, certainly the more important ones, tend to evolve and develop over a long time series. And, and this can be this can be decades. And we've we witnessed this with, with the internet itself. And that's why I think uh, Satya Nadella, CEO of Microsoft, his comment on, on Metaverse was profound. He said, you know, we're starting to talk about this and, and develop things very similarly to how we were talking about and developing things for the internet in the early 1990s. And back then, how could we ever imagine the things that we're doing today? And so I think similarly with this next generation of the internet, we're, we're in the same place. It's, it's hard for us to really imagine. We have sci-fi examples and so forth, but there's a lot of innovation that we're gonna see at CES that constitute the building blocks of metaverse. And it's gonna be really interesting. There's, a, there's an exhibitor that was with us in San Francisco for one of our, our media uh, promotional events uh, just a couple of weeks ago. The company's name is OVR, and that stands for Olfactory VR, and they have digitized smell. And so these different sensory experiences, haptics, better hardware, and then altogether new things like digitizing smell, this is the kind of things that we'll be able to experience at CES, and, and it all adds up to more substance and clarity. We just have to assemble these things into these shared immersive experiences that address different use cases. It starts at CES 2023. I, I tend to agree with Stephen, disagree a little bit with, with David on this as far as the role of CES. So in terms of, I agree that in the past, you would go to CES to have a sense for the next 12 to 18 months because technology cycles were shorter. So you could really have a sense of what was going to come to a store near you, right? Sooner rather than later. I think this is becoming harder as the cycles for something like the metaverse, but think also autonomous driving, right? We, we've seen cars on the show floor taking up more and more space over the past three to four years. And it doesn't happen overnight. And so what now for me CS is useful for is, first of all, see what's still vaporware, despite all the marketing and everything else, right? And, and then recognize that those building blocks that, that Steve is talking about actually have value in their own right. And they are changing in a you know good way, richer way, our experiences we just get sidetracked about that, you know, goal that is 10 years out and we get excited about that. And it's hard for consumers to then look at the building blocks. And, and I think that's what CES does. It gives you a better sense of how we're going to get there. Um, and in doing so, giving you more opportunity for, for us, right, in the industry, I'm, I'm supposed to, you know, give advice 
to to vendors in the industry as to what the trends are and and what we need to still do both from a communication perspective in terms of how do we lead people to water in terms of caring about some stuff and then you know who the competitors or even opportunity from those small companies that we were talking about at the beginning you know what startups do we need to pay attention to who has like this company that steve just mentioned you know something that will be critical a critical piece in delivering the ultimate experience steve one of the things that david has spent well 22 decades talking about and that's work from home and, and the work experience we saw a little bit of that last year at ces uh with a number of different products the one that pops in my brain the most quickly is canon uh and their their ai system but it doesn't seem like there's a whole lot of the 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 remote future of work in other words the most immediate future of work there is the metaverse and there is that and the other but do you see something as as you know where we're headed as far as the workplace and where we work coming down the pipeline either this january or next well definitely at ces 2023 we're going to see a variety of solutions that are geared for the hybrid work environment which i think is generally the state of affairs in corporate America and really around the world. A lot of people that I talk to are, are spending some time in the office, some time at home, and, and that kind of flexes based on business needs and so forth. So the, what I think we can expect from CES from a technology perspective are, are more digital tools, things like cameras. I know Canon, in fact, last year, and I think they'll have a, a new version of this, but is essentially a, a camera that follows you, but then you can also it's meant for virtualized or, or, or hybrid type training sessions or education. That's one use case. But if I have a whiteboard and I'm trying to, to point to things and I really want, especially the virtual audience, to be able to see this, I can, I can use a gesture and the camera will zoom in to whatever it is that I really want to focus on. Yeah. That's neat the, innovation. And the, the, the Canon AMLO system, activate my line of sight. Amless. Yes, yes. Thank you, David. Yes, that's it. So these kinds of new digital tools will empower our, our productivity uh, in this new hybrid work age, which I don't think anybody's suggesting that we're all going to suddenly go back to the office. I think this is really going to become a more of a permanent work shift. And so we need better tools. Uh, we can't just use the, the old cameras and so forth. We've seen a lot of innovation now, but around screens and other, other things. And a lot of this will probably be software. Um, no doubt there'll be other software-based tools that'll be demonstrated at CES from different vendors and other ways. And then yes, more of the metaverse type kind of virtualized, what's the next step beyond Zoom calls like this one? What's the next level of co virtual collaboration? We'll probably get a taste of that at CES. And, and to Carolina's point, maybe it's not ready for prime time right now, but it, it's pointing to the future and, and that's okay. We're, we're, innovation moves at, at different paces and, and some of it's sticky and some of it's not, but CES no doubt is, is great at really splashing a lot of cool tech innovation and we get to see what's possible and that's very exciting yeah I, I i think that was one of my complaints 
um, being a, an admirer and a fan of CES, that was one of the complaints, Steve, you and I talked about, I think, four, five, six years ago, is that there, there, CES, you know, CES is almost 50 shows, but CES is almost two different shows. One is stuff that's coming down the pike, and one is ideas. And it's and it's fair to you know that people come back with with comments saying where are my three second movie downloads on 5G? Where's 5G at all? Where what happened? It never materialized. Where's the AR and VR? Where is me walking around with glasses in the city with with augmented reality showing me the address? A lot of the concepts. Where's where's the self driving car that was the uh, uh, the the conference table so we could have meetings while we're coming home from the airport? A lot of the things that are shown there are really just ideas. And and it's difficult for the layperson to understand the difference between the concepts that are being shown. You know, you almost need like a little purple tag that says concept, as opposed to product that that this is a, a software solution or something that that you're going to be able to get in the next 18 months. And and I don't know. Again, maybe it's just my bias, but I don't know how fair that is because I don't know how many of those themes ever really come to fruition or how many we've just forgotten about. You know, my lawnmower is still not talking to my sprinklers. Um, and I'm and I'm waiting for that. Well, they, they, they they do have that. It's called Eureka Park. You just assume that everything in Eureka Park is not quite ready for prime time. Right. Yeah. And in fact, uh, in Eureka Park, we'll probably have close to a thousand tech startups. So it's going to be certainly 800, maybe 800 to a thousand from over three dozen, maybe four dozen countries. But yeah, that's that's definitely the epicenter of, of ideas and a lot of a lot of startups looking chiefly for funding to get those ideas off the ground. And some of those ideas are are mind blowing. Just what wow, I would have never thought about this. And this is this is true. But but Carolina said it. You know, they, a lot of these trends evolve along time series and like with self-driving vehicles. Okay, well that that's complicated because that's not just it's not just time. the tech, right? Right, exactly. There, there's the, the engineering and the technology has been way out in front of policy, yep. <laughs> for example. So, but we still get to experience that. And CES writes a new chapter every year on these important trends that ultimately will reshape our culture, our economy. And we need to be there to see that what's happening, what's going on. For example, West Hall will be festooned with electric vehicles, and that's great. More electric vehicles are, are awesome. We endorse that. What I'm more interested in is how the ecosystem to support those electric vehicles, chiefly battery technology and charging systems, how Grid. is that evolved? Yep. Yeah. So this, these are the things that CES teaches us and shows us. And you're right, David, not innovation, not all innovation is sticky. Some things that are shown at CES never make it to market, never make it to market. Some things to our perception may be impossibly slow <laughs> getting to market, uh, but there are also, there, there are manifold reasons for that. A lot of them just hardcore business reasons and, and market reasons, uh, but nonetheless, it, it's cool to see this and whether something was shown and it doesn't show up next year, I don't think that matters. What matters is the innovation, the ideas, the creativity and this this is why we go to CES. But in a way, I think that that's a little bit of kind of course correction uh, that CES also provides, right? Um, because we've been talking about the show only in respect to COVID and going back, but we can't 
ignore the economic environment we are in, right? So there's there's a cost. The reason why some people might not show up is cost. It's not COVID, right? It's the, the fact that everybody's pulling back. And I think when you're looking at innovation, the you know the very uh, exciting toy or whatever at a time where people are struggling to get to the end of the month um, doesn't always land well, right? And so I think that you've seen over the year, even with launches of more mature products like smartphone, really talking to solving real pain points that consumers have today, because that's where the money is going to go. You know, the, the really shiny thing that is exciting, but at the end of the day, I am not sure what my return on the investment is going to go, going to be, um, are not landing well at a time of economic you know, pressure. And I think that's where VR and AR might be a little bit struggling this year, because, you know, when you're factoring in the cost of a headset, the fact that I'm not actually in that environment 24 seven, like I could be with a PC or a phone as an example, right? Or the, the cost of the actual gaming and, and applications, then for a consumer, it's much harder to say, okay, yes, I'm going to make that jump and invest versus starting from it from maybe an um, a enterprise perspective where that solution actually ends up being a cost saving or you know, be, either because I don't travel or because I'm able to speed up um, maybe you know, support or anything like that. So it's interesting to see how technology also adapts based on the, the economic environment we're in. Yeah, that's, that's so true. That's that's so true. And if I if I may just just tag on to that, I, I would even wager that in periods like now of ostensible economic downturn, we have this inflationary environment. CES becomes even more important. Why? Well, because there. When, you, when it comes to inflation, there, there's two ways to, to beat inflation. One is raising interest rates, which the Fed has been very, very keen on. And that's really a blunt instrument. The, the other way is boosting productivity. And that's not only just in the consumer space, but also in the enterprise. And so that's one of the key trends I think I'll be looking for. And, and the, the key word here is automation, but also including cloud, AI, uh, robotics, even cybersecurity, we talk about those things as kind of the new digital utilities. And, and don't forget, I mean, we, we assemble the global tech industry in Las Vegas every January, but also a lot of investors, the financial community attends, as well as government officials. And in these periods of economic downturn, government officials are, are looking like, how, how, what, what can technology do to help invigorate our economy? And let's take a look at some of these things. And so maybe, therefore, official, government officials come, they get educated about the capabilities of the, these technologies. They go back and they write policy that expedites these innovations into the marketplace. And that's what helps lift economies uh, around the world and globally uh, out of recession. So this is, this is why I think it's even more important now because we're going to learn about the, the next level of, of innovation when it comes to automating. We have a labor shortage. It's not just a U.S. thing. It's a, it's a global thing. And robots used to be kind of a dirty word. And, and people would level arguments like, oh, you're killing jobs. And 
with your, your machines and your robots. You don't really hear a lot about that anymore. People are actually like, bring on the machines because I can't hire enough people to, to work in my warehouse. I need these, these, these tools uh, to, to help automate things so I can take full advantage of the facility. So these are some of the things I'll be looking for that'll hopefully give us an economic boost. And, and 5G, David, you mentioned 5G. That's that's also an interesting story because we're at a very crucial period in that technology with the recent publication of Release 17 that essentially is the starting blocks for industrial IoT. And from here, it's just going to get better. So it couldn't happen at a better time. And uh, 5G, along with AI, cloud, robotics, uh, and, and other enterprise-facing technologies, this is what's going to reshape uh, the economy globally. Carolina, we've got about 10 minutes here left. I want to hit on something you said, and that's that's talking about the economic uh, position that we're all in. Uh, we're recording this the first part of November here in the, in the States. We just came out of an election which filled our mailboxes with uh, here, vote for me. And that was quickly, as David aptly pointed out on Twitter the other day, was quickly replaced with here, buy this product for Black Friday. <laughs> Um, what do you see coming down the, the pipeline for that? Because I, I, I mentioned the fact that, you know, you can already buy like today, Black Friday deals, what would be in, in essence, Black Friday deals, um, and have them delivered. So it is, you know, the economic situation that we're in the global recession, how is that impacting this next season that, that, that really does kind of make up a good, a good percentage of, you know, consumer electronics, uh, bottom lines. Yeah, I, I think that consumers in general are being more pragmatic uh, in the way that they spend their money. Um, obviously, there's there's always um, technology to upgrade and update. Um, and of course, sales are what you're looking for, you know, whether you're replacing your, you know, smart refrigerator or your phone, you're looking at opportunity throughout the year to take advantage of discounts. And um, I think we've seen this trend a little bit over the past few years, even you know, clothing stores open the day before or the day of Thanksgiving now. And as I instead of eating your turkey, you're gonna go out and, and shop. Um, so I think that that cycles are lengthening. Uh, I don't know, as I mentioned, if you know, there's much frugality that we're gonna be seeing this year. In, in how consumers are going to spend and, and what they're going to invest in. But the reality is, uh, you know, if you're looking, for instance, at the PC market, there's been uh, a lot of upgrades happening during the pandemic for necessity. So we are starting to now be concerned about the, the volumes for this year and next year, especially as from an enterprise perspective, you know, costs are, are being looked at very carefully. You know, as far as what things uh, are going to be interesting, I think smart home is uh, is still something that consumers are investing, both because some of the features in, in these devices allow you to actually save uh, from a, an electricity or a water perspective. So you have both a, a lower bill and also you're being more sustainable as a, as a consumer. Um, you know, the, there are things that fit into more of the need from a consumer perspective, in my view, will be looked at. Uh, but certainly the, the sales cycle seems to be getting longer versus um, shorter, 
which is making for interesting earnings calls as well, right? Because now you don't have necessarily everything in one specific moment in time. But And this is the, you know, if you're looking at how Amazon plays around with the Prime Day, tells you how that plays as well as far as moving your earnings one way or another. Carolina, I chuckled a little bit while you were giving that answer, not because of anything you said, but because of my specific circumstance. Um, um, our 13-year-old kitchen refrigerator um, started dripping earlier right in the week. Right there with you. And, and, <laughs> and, and um, you know, we, 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 I, I, God, I've never done this before. I rebooted the refrigerator, you know, unplugged and plugged it back in, and, and, it, and it seems to be okay. So we didn't go out shopping for a new smart refrigerator. Mind you, the 50-year-old refrigerator in the basement is still working fine, but but the <laughs> um, but but the 13-year-old one, and, and so we didn't go shopping for the new smart refrigerator or the one that shows you what's inside or they can order the milk for you. But we went to our local appliance store that we have success with, and we said, what do you have in stock that can be delivered? And you know we're 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 definitely getting affected by supply chain still. Oh, absolutely. Um, and and just what products are on the market because we can't be without a refrigerator in the kitchen. And I wasn't bringing the 50-year-old uh, one up from the basement. My days of carrying refrigerators <laughs> are over. So I, I just we got a call while we started recording. Um, the, it's going to be delivered tomorrow. So there and thank go. God they take the old one away. But is that the one that my wife wanted? I mean, she's looking on Consumer Reports for the best rated one, and I'm saying just call them and find out what they have. It's not really like we have a choice. So, so I think that's also affecting the buying cycles to a great degree, supply chain. For sure, and supply chain is is getting better, but we're not quite there yet. And we have started to have new restrictions in Asia because of a new wave of COVID that is impacting some uh, um, some availability. You know, Apple put out a press release, which was a little bit un unprecedented, that put out a press release saying that uh, iPhone 14 and Pro are delayed because of uh, COVID in, uh, uh, in an area of China where they have a factory. And that's the reality that we live in still, right? Everybody wants the pandemic to be over and it's not over yet. Good. And, nope. and, and just really quickly, if Apple can't get things made, then <laughs> none of us have any any hope at all. Yeah. Okay, so so I, I think the takeaway here is that um, we're we're much further out of the woods than we were last year, but we're not out of the woods yet with any of these things. Uh, but but even having said all of that, what we gain from CES is enough value that we're still expecting more than twice as many people who were there last year to 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 be there this year. Also, a lot of the travel restrictions have been lifted, so so that's the thing. Steve, I'll ask you if you um if you've spoken to Gary or the rest of your team, are are you giving us like little medals for the people that actually showed up last year. I thought that was a really good idea, and and and, I, and I'd love to wear that proudly on my badge. You know, like they used to have the the quad candlestick if you stayed for a late game in San Francisco. Um, there, there should be some sort of recognition for last year, right? Yeah, that's an interesting idea. I think instead we'll we'll give you a, a hearty handshake and say welcome to CES. Ah, okay. Well, that's fine. So 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 give us a little bit of the nuts and bolts and rundown of where can people find information and what are the dates and what's what's the big takeaway that people should have if they want to attend this year. Yeah. So just a couple of things. Well, first, importantly, uh, you need to register for CES, and then we have some some housing tools at ces.tech. So when you register. You can also make your, your uh, accommodation arrangements there. And this year, as I mentioned, we're expecting 100,000 plus attendees, about 2,000 exhibiting companies. And we, as you 
get closer to the show, you'll probably hear more from us uh, talking about CES in context of a partnership that we have this year with, with uh, a branch of the UN, the World Academy of Arts and Sciences. And we're really framing the show against this backdrop of what the World Academy of Arts and Sciences calls human securities for all. And these are a, a set of provisions. There, there are seven, we've added an eighth around mobility, the freedom to move. But essentially these entitlements are, are human rights around shelter, uh, financial security, personal security, uh, food security, these kinds of things. And so that framework will really overlay the, the show and a lot of the exhibits and, and trends thereof. So that you, you can hear more about that. But uh, the show is January 5th through 8th, and the, the show days are Thursday through Sunday. So make your travel plans now, <laughs> and we'll see you in Las Vegas. Okay. And, and Carolina, we should hopefully make it a point that you and I at least run into each other for a selfie. But you're also um, um, very concerned with um, um, ESG topics and, uh, and, 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 and human rights and things of that yep. nature. I know that's one of the things that's most important to you. Is that going to be something that you're going to be focusing on this year at CEO? Absolutely. Um, I, I'm making a point of uh, going and, and scouting for companies that are particularly focused on digital divide, um, sustainability, and, and really um, accessibility. So look, looking at you know, even from a product perspective or, you know, even companies that stand out for their diversity and inclusion policies um, and see what's out there. Yeah, that's great. So I, I know I will be there all week. I will be actually going to be there for New Year's Eve. So I'm going to be there early. Um, but um, and, and that's a bad You're idea. Really keen. It's, my, it's my family's <laughs> it's my family's request. It's not me, but I, I will be there. I will be there for the press days and hopefully be doing some recording for, uh, as I said, uh, uh, AV Nation TV's connected number 50. Um, uh, so, Carolina, hopefully I will run into you, Steve, same as well for you. Let's go around the horn one time and uh, figure out uh, how we can get in touch with people who want more information. Steve, you gave the website before. Why don't you give uh, the CTA's website as well so people know where to go to get information there? Yeah, again, to register for CES, it's ces.tech slash register. And to learn more about CTA, the owner and producer, of CES, uh, it's cta.tech. You still have to talk to Gary about the little sticker on the badge about, you know, I was here last year. I survived. I, I survived 12 years of high school. Um, uh, Carolina, how can people find out more about you and what you do and get in touch with you? People can find me on theheartoftech.com or creativestrategies.com. I'm on Twitter still at the moment. We'll see by the time <laughs> we this. Day-to-day -day basis, yes. Caro underscore Milanese or on Mastodon at Caro Milanese at Mastodon.online. Uh, I have a column on force where you can read um, mostly anything that is related to ESG, future work, and uh, employee engagement. Steve, uh, uh, Tim, do you guys, did you have you opened Mastodon accounts yet? Have not. Have no, not. Okay. All right. Well, we're all over there. I don't know that that's the future, but you know, you got to. No, gotta I hedge, don't either. <laughs> got to hedge your bets. Got to be somewhere. Um, Tim, tell us about CTI and AV Nation TV. Uh, you can uh, go uh, find CTI at CTI.com for Aviation. Go by Aviation.tv. Uh, Aviation.tv, you'll find all of David's things there, as well as a host of other podcasts. 
thank you everybody thank you for watching you know uh, we we have uh what 10 15 viewers now i know it's more than that but uh, we have a number of people that are interested in what we do and we will keep putting out content as long as you guys are keep uh, keep following and be interested in it as i said the next show is going to be live from las vegas we'll be visiting some of the venues and and again i'm not going to try and duplicate some of the major news media outlets of how that event is covered but i'm going to try and give you a perspective of what it's like being there and uh, and and some of the things you may not have heard of and some of the other themes other than downloading movies in 5G or metaverse, but uh, what, what I think is cool and coming to market. So for, for everyone at Aviation Nation TV, uh, I'm David Danto. Thanks very much for watching. We'll see you next time.